Masechet Nedarim Daf Kaf Zayin. In the middle of the page, we begin with the Mishnah of the fourth and last category of vows that are void. And this is Nidre Onasin, a vow in which there is a circumstance beyond one's control. Ones, he was not able to fulfill it. Here's a few, here's a few examples. A certain host makes a vow to his friend and says, you better come over for dinner tomorrow night or else I'm never talking to you again. And uh, fine, they agree. But then uh, the guest gets sick or his son gets sick and he's not able to make it or he's trying to make it, but there's a traffic jam, uh, the, um, the, the, uh, the boat is not going and he can't get over the river. And so for circumstances beyond his control, he's not able to make it for dinner. And uh, so does that vow, uh, is it binding? And now he can never, they can never talk to each other again? And the answer is no, that's an honest. When the host made the vow, the point was to encourage the guest to make sure that he's really going to come and uh, with threat of, you know, you better come or else. But he never meant to make a, make this prohibition should there, should there be a circumstance beyond his control. And therefore, since we know that that's what he meant, the, um, the, the vow is null and void, um, even though it is the, the, even though the person did not actually come. Okay, from the fact that it includes both a person is sick or his son is sick, right? That means it's not an absolute impossible. It's possible you could leave his son there and come, find someone else to take care of his son. But it means it's really difficult for him to come. And, uh, but otherwise he intended to and was planning to and would have come. That, that's called Nidre Onasin. All right, I'm going to compare it to some other cases. A certain person, he had a court case with someone else, uh, an argument over whatever property or money, and he has some documents uh, for in his favor. And so uh, he takes the documents and gives them to the court. Right here are the documents. But he's not ready to finish the, um, the, the court case yet. Maybe he wants to go find some other evidence or he has to go home for whatever reason. And he says, but listen, I'm going to come back, right? Don't worry. And in fact, to guarantee the fact that he's going to return, he says, if I don't return before 30 days and complete the, uh, the arguments, and the court case, then these documents that I'm giving to you that are proof in my favor should be null and void, right? I'll basically give up my side of the case. Uh, if I don't come back within 30 days. Um, so the court and the other side are happy. Okay, they uh, they agree to it. Now what happens is, it nis vilata. In the end, he wanted to come back, but there was an onus. He got sick. He was not able to come back, but he really wanted, he was intending to through no fault of his own. So what happens? Ravuna on the one end says that since he made this condition, if I don't come back, then these documents will be null and void, and he didn't come back, so the documents are void, right? That's that's exactly what he said. So too bad on him, and um, you know he should have been even though it was uh, circumstances beyond his control. 
Um, he, uh, he still, we look at the, the, the letter of the law and he did not fulfill his condition. Whereas uh, Rava says, no, this is different. In this case, it's beyond his control, honest, and we have a principle that when someone is anus, when he's forced, then Rachamana gives him a clean slate, uh, his uh, patur. Now, and he's, he's not, not responsible, not liable if it's done with, with, because of circumstances beyond your control. Where do we learn that from? It's from a case of rape. Um, a man rapes a woman, so the man will get punished, but the woman will not get punished because um, the Torah there compares it to a victim of murder, right? Would you, would you say that a victim of murder should be guilty for something? Obviously not. Uh, and uh, so too, a, um, a woman who is raped, unlike what other people used to think in ancient Near Eastern times, that they, would, um, they might give a punishment to both. The Torah says, no, if a person is forced, uh, anus, then they are not liable. And we apply that here also. Uh, the person wanted to come back and he was forced uh, be, for some reason beyond his control and could not return to the court. Therefore, uh, his condition does not, um, is not valid, and he can keep those court documents still in play. All right, so that's the Machloket. Now, here's where we're going to bring in the Mishnah as a challenge to Rava. If you will object to Ravah's proof and say that the death penalty is different. See, Ravah's proofs from, from this Nara, Lota Sedavar, is in talking about in context, Nara Meorasa, a woman who has already had done Kiddushin. In that case, if she willingly uh, commits adultery uh, with someone else, then they get the death penalty, uh, both she and the adulterer that she is with. And so because of that, that's a very serious uh, punishment. And maybe you'd say, only in that case when it's beyond her control if she's raped then she does not get a punishment because otherwise she's going to get the death penalty but perhaps for if it's only monetary uh, then even if it's something beyond one's control like in this case where he uh, he was not able to come back before 30 days and so he's going to lose his monetary case by giving up those documents maybe we would not apply this principle of anus rachamana patre right maybe we only um, uh, excuse from liabilities someone in the death penalty because of honest but not in a monetary case so if you should say that well then i will bring a further proof uh, for dava from our very mishnah that says nidre onasin uh someone takes a vow uh, where uh the circumstances are end up being beyond one's control like the host says you better come to me or else right we cannot ever eat over again or I'll be prohibited to you, and he gets sick, or his son gets sick, or the, the river is blocking and he can't get over, this is called nidre onasin. And this is not, a, not the death penalty. It doesn't say I'm going to kill you or, uh, if, if you don't come. Um, it will only have um, a social, monetary uh, consequences. And uh, there, and even so, we say that ones rachamana patre, that when he made a vow, with and and ended up being beyond one's control to fulfill it, then the vow is null and void. So we see that even in non-death penalty cases, we do apply this principle. And so this would be a good proof for Rava 
and an answer to anyone who would object. Okay, but now we have a question, another question to Rava from another Mishnah in Masechet Kitim. What, what, how would uh, our case here be different with this, the, our case with the 30 days where Rava says that he's honest and uh, that's a good excuse? How is that different from the following Mishnah Ditnan? The Mishnah rules that a person, he's going to go away on a trip and he doesn't, he doesn't, just in case he doesn't come back uh, for whatever reason, he's captured or he dies or whatever, uh, he gets lost. He doesn't want his wife to be in Aguna. And so he says, here, I'm giving you a get from now if I, in, in case I don't return within 12 months. Right? So that way, if he does return safe and sound, then the get is null. And so they remain married. And if he doesn't show up before 12 months, no matter what happens to him, uh, she is then divorced from now. And that way she can go and is free to marry anyone she wants. And now what happened is he died within the 12 months. That is a valid get because right once that 12 month mark comes, he's not coming back. Uh, he's, uh, he's long dead. And so the um, condition is triggered. Um, or rather is not triggered because he doesn't come back. And so uh, because he doesn't come back, uh, the get uh, it is triggered and the get is a valid get. Okay, that's the Mishnah. And we ask, Isn't this beyond his control? There's nothing, no, no bigger excuse than, I'm sorry I didn't come back, I was dead at the time. Uh, so obviously he didn't come back, um, but it was certainly beyond his control. So why don't we say it was beyond his control, so it wasn't his fault. Uh, but otherwise, had, had he been alive, he certainly would have been there. And therefore, we should say that the condition is null and void. And therefore, the get should not be valid. How come, Rava, how come you don't take into account here his honest status? And the answer is, No, in that case, he wanted the get to, to be valid. And in fact, had he known that he, um, that he was going go to die within that year, he would have given the get immediately in order to save her from a, from Yibum. He has some awful brother that uh, surely she would not want to marry and he would give her a hard time and he wanted to save his wife from such, uh, 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 such a mess. And therefore, he certainly, he certainly wanted to give her a get had he known that he was not, never going to come back because he was going to die. And so therefore, in this case, it really depends on his intention, a person's intention. That's precisely why he gave her a get with this condition. If I don't come back, for whatever reason, right, if I get lost, or especially if he should die, then he wants the get to, uh, to take effect. Um, so, therefore, um, that's his intention, and unlike this case where his intention was, yes, he wants to come back within 30 days because he wants to argue his case. And he only said that just you know, to, to pacify the others, um, but if it's beyond his control, he certainly did not want the condition to be triggered and lose his right to use the documents in his favor. Okay, good. So, Rava answered that question very well. 
And now we ask Ravah uh, from yet another case. A person says, listen, if I don't come back within 30 days, um, this is your get. I'm giving it to you from now, but it will only take effect if I do not return in 30 days. Okay, now, after thir- at the, at, on the 30th day, he came, but there was a river for preventing him from crossing, and um, he needed to get on the ferry to get to the other side in order to get home. He's on the other side of the river, and he just missed the last ferry of the day, and he's calling out, look, I'm here, I'm here, right? I want to come back. I want, a, I want, I do not want the get to be valid, um, but it's obviously beyond his control, right, because he missed the ferry. Um, and so he he wants to remain married. So what do we do? Do we take that into account? Shemuel says, sorry, you didn't come back, right? You could be there waving and screaming that you want to come back, but you did not actually cross the river and come back home. And so, therefore, sorry, this condition is fulfilled and the get is valid. Okay, so we know that law. We ask Rava, Amai veha menas anis. In this case, isn't it obvious that his circumstance is beyond his control? So how come Rava, you, in the case of the court, where he doesn't come back, could be the very same instance that, you know, he missed the ferry. And he's saying, but I'm here, I'm here, I want to come to the court. And Rava, you said, we take the onus into account and we say, it's okay, you can still use your documents. How come over here, you, um, you wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Um, but yet Shemuel says that we do not take the onus into account and sorry, he's divorced. So the answer is, Dilma unsa de migalia shane uma bera migle unsa unse. We answer for Rava that perhaps an onus that is revealed is different, meaning a circumstance beyond one's control that is somewhat predictable uh, is different from one that's completely unpredictable. And the ferry uh, uh, coming late is something that happens all the time. And uh, even though it's beyond one's control, you have to keep that in mind that the, the ferry might might uh, leave uh, early or might come late and you'll, you'll miss the deadline. And therefore, uh, in the case of the uh, get where he missed the ferry, he should have set, has had that in mind when he said, if I don't come back before 30 days, um, uh, he could have uh, added a stipulation. And I'm um, including if I'm late to the the ferry, that's considered as if I'm coming back because it's something that happens relatively often. So he should have had that in mind. If he didn't add any stipulation, then that means that he's including that circumstance um, and saying, if I don't come back, even if it's because of, he should have had in mind, even if uh, he misses the ferry, uh, that will also be called not coming back. So he should have, he should have um, included that in his calculation. And therefore, if he doesn't come back, even if it's because of the ferry, that's not totally beyond his control. And uh, therefore, we assume he means for that, for the condition to still be triggered and for the get to be good. Whereas in the case of the court, uh, it doesn't say exactly what the circumstance is, uh, but we assume it's something more serious. And, you know, he was uh, captured. Uh, by uh, by uh, pirates, and so that's why he was not able to come back. That is an a uh, honest. 
that is not Megalia, that is not apparent. You would not have thought of that. You would not have taken that, in, that into account. If you ask him, you know, if you were uh, captured by pirates, would you, did you want your condition to be fulfilled? He would say, for sure not. All right, I really wanted to come back. I wanted to finish my court case. It was something totally beyond one's control. And that would account, Ravak can account for the difference. And he may very well agree with Shemuel that in the case of the get, um, we say sorry, right? Your honest doesn't count because it's not a very uh, because it's not a very rare um, uh, circumstance. Uh, whereas when it is a more rare circumstance, that's when Rava says uh, it's okay. It was beyond your control. You can still come to court and still use your documents. Okay, so now we finished the challenges to against Rava, and now we're going to turn to Rav Huna. He's the one that said that when he doesn't come back in 30 days, even though it was beyond his control, we say sorry, right? You said that you're going to give up your right to use the documents, and you didn't come, so therefore you lost the case. You cannot use your documents anymore. So we ask, Rav Huna, We have a concept of very important called Asmachta. Asmachta is when you agree to something but inconclusively in your mind you think that this is something that's going to happen so rarely it's not going to happen and you don't give your full um, your full mind to the agreement. Uh, for example, if you rent a car and the car has to be back at 5 p.m. and you're just going on a, a very quick trip and you say, for sure I'll be back way before and the, there's a, a penalty. If you don't bring the car back by 5 p.m., you're going to have to pay $10,000. So you agreed to it because you're thinking there's no way I'm, I'm going to be late. But then, turns out, traffic jam and you come at 5.02. And they say you have to pay $10,000. That's called asmachta. He can come to court and say, listen, when I agreed to that $10,000, I didn't really agree because I never expected that uh, that would be triggered. So it was not a full agreement. And therefore, I never really transferred over my obligation to pay you. So that's asmachta lakanya. A very important application of this is gambling. According to many, uh, poskim gambling is stealing because if I'm sitting down to play poker, I'm expecting to win. And otherwise, why would I sit down to play? And now, um, you know, we're using chips and uh, turns out I lose a thousand dollars. And so now I have to actually have to take money out of my pocket and pay the other guy. He's demanding it. But I don't, I feel like he's stealing from me because I, when I sat down to play, I didn't have in my mind. Yeah. So it's, so, you know, if I, if he wins, I'll, I'll gladly give him a thousand dollars. I was expecting to win, and uh, therefore this is only asmachta. And says I never really transferred it, that to you when I gave you those poker chips. When I put the poker chips in the middle, I was not really having in mind that I was um, going to give over that money actually. And therefore, when you force me to pay you, uh, it would be stealing. Um, the, of course, the loser doesn't steal. Only the winner violates stealing um, as a gambler. So if you gamble but you lose, then you're still okay. Uh, okay, so that's an important example of asmachta. And so here too, uh, doesn't Rav Huna agree that this would be an asmachta because the person um, in the court case, uh, he t fully expects that he's going to come back. And so he never really agreed to give up his uh, his right over the land. Let's say it's a land dispute. And he never fully uh, agreed to give up the land dispute or his access to those documents. And uh, there and and the pr basic principle is asmachta uh, does not is not a transfer. So he should still have a right to uh, to that land and to argue his case. 
So we answer, Rav would not answer, demit pesan Now here it's different because the court is holding on to his documents. Since he gave over, he transferred the documents to the court, that act shows that He's serious about it. He knows what he's doing. He knows that if he doesn't come back in 30 days, the court can just rip up those documents. And so by handing it over, he's actively doing something to show his full agreement. And so therefore, it's not an asmachta. It would be kind of like in my car example, if I, um, when I rented the car, I gave them a check for $10,000. And so if I don't come back, then you can uh, take the check, right? Or uh, for gambling, there are some poskim say that if you don't use chips, but you take out all the cash to begin with and, uh, and, uh, and, and give it over to someone, to, to hold, so then you are totally agree because you gave up the money to begin with, and then you'll see if you win it back. Then um, that, according to some, that could be a way out of getting around uh, the stealing part of gambling, or although there's still other problems, halachic uh, problems regarding gambling. Okay, so here too, Rabunah will say, uh, it's different, this is not Asmachta, because he willingly gave the documents to the court, and that showed that he's totally serious about them voiding these documents if he doesn't come back. And now we ask, hold on, just because uh, he, uh, he gave up the documents and so they're being held by someone else, is that not called asmachta? Look at this Mishnah in Vababatrabatanan. Someone I owe I owe you a hundred dollars. I paid forty, but I still owe you sixty. Now normally the lender is the one that holds a document that says it's an IOU, right? The lender is holding it and he can produce it any time, it says, right, that I owe you the $100. So now that I paid $40 of it, so I don't want you to hold on to that IOU because then you could bring it again and make me pay another $100. So normally, you would keep the IOU and you'd write to me a receipt for the $40. But that's a pain. We have to go find some paper and a pen and someone who knows how to write and so all that. So instead, we have an agreement. We say, listen, take the IOU, give it to our friend, uh, uh, Mr. A, that we both trust. He'll hold on to it. And I say, I tell Mr. A that I'm going to pay back the rest of the, the rest of the $60 from now uh, before 30 days. If I don't pay back the $60 before, before 30 days, then Mr. A, you can give the lender back the IOU. And that way he'll be able to use it and actually he'll be able to extract the full hundred all over again and then they'll have to pay the full hundred. Um, so, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm okay with that, right? So if we make that agreement, so what will be the consequences if I don't pay? The time came and I never paid the rest of the $60. So should Mr. A give over that IOU back to the lender? Yes, give it, right? Because that was the condition. That's exactly what I told him. So I agreed to, if I don't pay, if I don't pay the $60 before 30 days, I agree that he'll have the IOU and then he can produce it and have to pay the full hundred 
that, that first 40 dollars I'll have to pay again. Uh, says, no, do not give it because I never intended that I would have to pay again. I was just saying, listen, you know, don't worry, I'm going to, I'm going to pay. Um, but even though I gave my document over, to a third party and that third party is holding it it's not it's our document that's right? the iou and even though i agreed for a third party to hold a document that is against me nevertheless it's still called uh asmachta that i never fully agreed that if i don't pay uh before the 60 dollars before uh 30 days i didn't really have in mind that that would happen and therefore i did not fully agree in my mind that I would be willing to pay the hundred all over again because you'd give the document back. So we see from here that even though um, even though the part, the documents is in the third party, it is, it is according to the Biuda, it is still called, it is an asmachta, and that is a good excuse, and you don't give it back. Now, this is a machloket, so which one do we follow, the Biyoseh, the Biyuda? Well, ve'amarav nachman, amarabah abu, amarav, en halacha ke'ra Biyoseh, amarasmachta kanya. Right, Rav said that we do not follow the Biyoseh, therefore we do follow, uh, we, we do not follow the Biyoseh, who says, this is an asmachta, but asmachta is a good kinyan. So actually, even the Biyose agrees that it is, this is a case of asmachta, um, but that I never fully agreed. But even though I never fully agreed, nevertheless, it is an acquisition, and so therefore I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to pay it again. Um, but Rabbi Uda says that it's um, not an asmachta at all. Um, or asmachta lo kanya, and so I don't have to pay the. I, I don't give it back. Uh, Mr. A does not give it to him, and I'm not going to have to pay the forty dollars again uh, to, to to the lender. And so now we uh, come back to our, our our challenge. You see that this is not a good answer to the first question. The the fact that I um, that in the court case I gave the I gave the documents, handed them over to the betin. Uh, that doesn't mean that I was very serious about the about it, because in the case of the uh, of the lender, even though I agreed for the IU to be in the third in the in the hands of the third party, that still doesn't mean, according to the Biuda, that I agreed to it. That's still called asmachta, and therefore asmachta lokanya. And uh, um, so giving it to the hands of the third party does not does not prove anything. And therefore, back to here, we reignite the question against Ravuna. Isn't this an asmachta? And I never really agreed, I never really thought in my mind to agree that I would give up my right to my documents uh, to the court and give up my right to my claim on the land that we're arguing over. So how is Rav Huna going to respond to that? And this final answer is, The case of the court is actually different because he said that he wants his merits to be voided. Basically saying, these documents, I'm agreeing to void the documents and give up my claim altogether. And so this is very emphatic. Perhaps in his own mind, he didn't think he had such a great case. And so that's why he said, you know, take them. If I don't come back in 30 days, it probably means he couldn't find any more evidence 
and he's not so serious about his claim in the first place. So over there, we actually assume that it's not an asmachta, right? Because he made, he, he said, you can take them and void my documents. So he's voiding his whole claim to begin with. It's not really a whole transfer. He's not transferring uh, money to someone or giving someone else, uh, in, uh, giving someone something that he had before, uh, but rather he's just voiding his documents. And so we assume that that is not an asmachta. He did that with full knowledge um, that he's just going to give up the case if he doesn't come back before 30 days. Whereas in the case of, uh, of, the, of the payment, nobody wants to pay twice uh, something that they already paid. And so he's just saying that as a, as a way of saying, just give me more time. I need 30 days, but he never in his mind really agreed. And so the difference is, doesn't, is not really about the uh, handing over the document. In both cases, he hands it over and, and he put it in the hands of a third party. But nevertheless, the circumstances of actually making a transfer and, and what he had in mind are different. Okay, and bottom line, Hilcheta Asmachta Kanya. In the end, even though we were just uh, arguing for the position that Asmachta La Kanya, but the Halacha actually is that an Asmachta does make a transaction. So even if I didn't have full um, full mind to make a transfer, nevertheless, I would still have to pay. But that's only if there's no circumstances beyond one's control. But if it was beyond my control, I really tried to come back and I was not able to. I really tried to pay and was not able to. Um, then the that asmachta does not count. And last condition, and this would only apply if it was an, uh, an eminent betin, right? Not just three people that happened to come together and I gave them over uh, these documents and I said, uh, you know, listen, uh, you can uh, nullify these documents. If it's just three guys off the street, um, just a plain old betin, then I did not really mean it. Um, I was just saying it, and so um, that would not that would not be considered. Um, uh, if I didn't come back, that would not be considered a breaking of the condition, and I could still use them. But if I do it in front of an eminent betin, well, then every you know you, you've been, people are more serious uh, when they're speaking in front of a an important betin, and so if they say um, that that condition in front of an important betin, then we assume that they really meant it. And if they really meant it, then that condition will be binding. Um, that's the conclusion. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.